Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bluden from Year4J, and I am here recording another podcast, or should I call it vodcast, uh, with uh, my dear friend and fearless leader, Emil. Hi Emil, how are you? Hello, hello Rick. That was a real, you know, hashtag dad joke. You got that one right. <laughs> No, me, I do that all the time. Come on. Yes. <laughs> That's why I have kids. I, I could hear bad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could hear the painful groans in the background. <laughs> so it's great to have you back on on the on this uh, podcast. Uh, and you know, we kept our word. You know, we didn't uh, you know uh, have as long of a break between our recording Finally. as we used to. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's like since... half a year, right? Yeah, happy year, yeah, December yeah. last year. So good, good times. Um, and again, you know, what a what a what a time it has been. Uh, quite a quite a journey again. Uh, past six seven months. Um, so I, you know, I, I thought it would be cool to have a, another chat. Uh, lots of things to talk about. Uh, we'll try to keep it uh, at a reasonable uh, uh, time scale. But um, let's talk a little bit about you know the world outside first, maybe. You know, how do you, how, do you, uh, how have you been uh, living through the, should I call it the remainder of the pandemic? Uh, you know, how has it been going for you? Yeah, maybe let's be hopeful and say this is the, the, the tail end of the, of the pandemic or something like that. Yeah, I guess when we recorded, I think it was pre-vaccine, right? Like pre-invention of the vaccines, right? I think it was probably December, keep me honest here. Was it December, yeah, exactly. So it was before all of that had been had been announced, right? So I guess we didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel as as clearly as as just just a month later. It's been it's been fascinating, right? Because uh, you know it turns out that uh, maybe the death rattle of the pandemic was longer than at least I thought. Once the vaccine was announced, I'm like, "F yeah, <laughs> we're going at it. I'm going back home. I'm gonna." go out to pubs, I'm gonna grab coffee, you know, with strangers. Um, and that didn't quite unfold that way. But I think at the at the highest level, it's been this weird kind of contradictory thing in, in my head and probably in many people's heads here at Neo4j because as tragic as this has been, and it truly has been tragic in, in ways, the pandemic, right? That we don't even know yet with kids who've been homeschool for a year and like you know all of that stuff right um so the the very visible kind of physical health problems but then also much more invisible things like mental health and and whatnot that we might not see the repercussions might not be known for for decades right um so as tragic as that has been kind of our business has been going so great at the same time and i will almost feel guilty saying that right like we're profiteering off of you know something like that. but it's obviously true for not all but for a lot of technology companies right and so that has been a little bit of kind of this this conundrum in in all Mr. right it, so, it, yeah. it, 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 it really has been right and and while of course we've struggled like everyone else from a kind of personal and practical perspective um this really has accelerated graph adoption right really across the board right for many many use cases in many many verticals right and 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 because we're such a horizontal business we have exposure to industries that were really dramatically hit we have exposure to hospitality one of the actually the biggest hotel chain in in the world marriott is a a big customer of ours right Uh, we have uh, exposure to 
airlines, for example, and travel and transportation, cruise lines, like those, those are really, really badly hit, of course, by the, by the mm-hmm. pandemic. But then that was more than well compensated for with all the other verticals yeah. for technology adoption, cloud adoption, and just adoption of data-driven applications far outweighed, you know, some of the slowdown in, in the in the in the few other verticals. So that I think has been maybe maybe the high order bit, um, you know, for us as a company in this in the broader context of, of, of the world. I don't know if you do you agree with that, Rick? I do agree with that. But you know, at, at a personal level, obviously, so many things have happened. You know, we actually lost a dear colleague uh, yeah. during uh, during the pandemic, right, in the first half of this year. Uh, but at, uh, at uh, you know. Also, things like you know, working at home, you know, these four walls, your your lovely sauna. <laughs> you know, it's it, we're, we're we're kind of uh, you know we have to adapt to that, right? It's, and, and, uh, I'm I'm actually wondering right now, you know, how is it going? To, what's it going to be like? You know, when we open up again? You know, I, I I know for example that our London office, you know, there's 40 seats there, but by now we have like 90 employees there or whatever yeah. the number is. Yeah. You know? How is that going to work, right? It's yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I'm wondering on, on much more kind of um, trivial stuff, like how does one behave when you talk to people in the real world? <laughs> like, how do you say hi? I remember like people were, I think they called it shaking hands. Yeah, they reached out their hand and they shook. So that was kind of some weird thing that I vaguely recall. I remember wearing pants going into the office. I haven't done that for 18 months. <laughs> and and when I'm out now in the, in the in the real world, in the 3D world, I keep looking for like the Zoom box where it says people's names, and it's not there, right? And so <laughs> I'm just thinking through all these kind of practical, like how do you actually behave? In a, I think in actually that on that handshake thing, you know, when we did our uh, our last physical event, which was I think in London. Uh, March yeah, right. 2020, there was a big thing about the Wuhan shake, which was like, you know, you you, you, you give your feet instead of your hands. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. That's uh, that's how, how it started. Uh, it's it's, it's crazy. Ago. Absolutely crazy. But, but even like people probably might not know, you know, listen, listen to the podcast. Like when, you know, at that time, the, the London Graph Tour, uh, I think first week of March or maybe, maybe second week of March um, of, um, of 2020, we were 300 people in the, in the company. Um, before the, and look, the, if, if we want to be very strict about it, the pandemic will probably never end. Like the pandemic will, but like COVID will never kind of go away, right? But like by the time we are in all geos back in the office, who knows when that's going to be, but it's probably not fully back until the end of the year in all geographies, right? And might even be, be, be longer, right? By the end of the year, we're going to be 600 people. Yeah. So just think about that, right? So going from 300 to 600, so we've doubled in size. And so over half the company, not only will half the company never have met everyone, over half the company will never have met anyone. And that's a, that's a crazy thing. Like, how do you, and, and, and you know, internally, Rick, and hopefully people can feel it. Like we're so relationship centric at Neo4j, right? And 
man, I love like relationships over video call is better than over a phone call, which is better than over email and you know, that kind of stuff. But the best thing is for, there's a step function improvement with face to face. There, yeah. there just is, right? And, and, and that I think is, uh, it's, it's just a kind of a shocking view of like just how much the pandemic has, has changed us in the past eight, 18 months or changed running, running the company. I mean, I, I, I see that in very real ways and as I'm in the sales team, right? I'm, I'm uh, you know, selling over a video call or selling, yeah. you know, face to face. Very yeah. different. Yeah. Very, very different. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, it's not less successful. You know, I can't say that at all. Yeah. Uh, right. But it is very different. And at least not in the short term. Like, yeah. I wonder. Like, it's 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 a thing. Like, when 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 it first initially happened, then yeah. on the engineering side, we didn't skip a beat, right? Because engineering is already very used to pair programming across offices and so on and so forth, right? Um, but I wonder about there's got to be a long term effect of not having those real relationships. Like, just like I, I'm not going to say it as dramatic as a breakdown of trust, but like trust is such a valuable currency. And I think it's at least partially built in, in face to face interaction, or at least it's accelerated by that, you know, or, 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 or something like that. Right? Well, my current hunch is that, that, you know, for example, in the sales team, it's actually you know the trust is being built much more slowly uh, you yeah. know if you if you're doing, if you're building it face to face you know i can actually build a relationship or you know have a, a real conversation with someone in i want to say like a 2 hour meeting face to face you know on a, 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 on a zoom call it's going to take me four or five zoom calls you know what yeah. i mean and, and yeah, that just you know makes it makes it different and can we talk a little bit about you know the effect of uh, on the company and, and our, our position in the in the industry as well. Um, I mean, what a! I obviously saw your keynote. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say uh, that, uh, right? Because this is being recorded. <laughs> I, have, I have to say that uh, at uh, the notes uh, conference in uh, in June. Uh, what what an announcement was that? I mean. Normally we would have like five conferences, <laughs> five different announcements, and now we have one. I mean, that was crazy. There was there was the funding round. There was the trillion relationship graph. There was the new product release. It was just crazy. I mean, uh, all those things together. There was, How uh, did you do that? <laughs> it was so. It was so. It was so packed. It was a ton of fun to to put that together, right? And and I think. I guess a few observations, right? Um, maybe like two of the most common misconceptions or myths or just statements about Neo4j um, and the graph database space ever since, you know, we got started, like so for 10 plus years has been a few things, right? Like I think, well, let's take them one at a time, right? One is graphs are niche. Graphs are useful, but only for a few small things. And yeah. you would hear this from the most thoughtful, credible, deeply technical people, the founders, CTOs of other database companies, right? Like just some really, really absolute world-class experts at data, databases, software development, right? They would still come out, look at graph databases and say, it, it used to be 10 years ago, it's like, 
Yeah, it's UFJ, like really great technology and good for, for social networks. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And like five years down the line, they're like, yeah, good for social networks and recommendations and fraud detection. Oh, and identity and access management. Oh, that's what it's good for. And then a few years later, and so they add use cases every every time, but they're lagging what we see internally by five years or, or something like this, right? And fast forward to where we are today, like it used to be NoSQL had 30, 40, 50 companies that got real funding from good investors and, you know, th- that kind of stuff, right? You know, walking into the previous decade, there was this massive uh, divergence, this massive explosion, this experimental phase where we went from four or five relational databases to choose from to over 350 databases on DB engines today. But in the past few years, it's converged down to just a handful of companies mm-hmm. that have achieved scale, are growing fast, are on that path to IPO. We're talking three, four, five, you know, at, at, at most. And obviously Neo4j and Graphs is, is one of them. And the fact that we came out and we raised literally the biggest round in database history, that got a lot of heads to turn. Even really clueful people, again, who were close to the space, they close to the broader database space, were, I think, taken aback by the fact that, wow, graph databases probably aren't as niche as we thought. And of course, what we know on the inside and what I believe is that they've not seen anything yet. (laughs) Because they still, if if we come back to what we recorded six months ago, we talked about the drivers of graph database adoption. And we talked about how performance is a key driver for it, right? Because performance addresses an antibiotics level pain, right? And so if you want to do a recommendation engine, other people, blah, 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 blah. Other people bought this, also bought, bought that, and or capture fraud rings, or do something that requires many, many hops in, in, in a connected data set. And you want to do that in real time, in particular with concurrent updates to that. There's no, nothing else you can do. Like the only thing you can do is reinvent some kind of an graph database, do a poor man's version of of that, probably in memory, right? That's the only alternative you have, right? And that performance driver is massive, right? And it's huge. And so what I see people doing now when they look at the graph space is that they approximate it with our performance-based use cases. So that's the recommendations, that's the fraud detection, that's that kind of stuff. And because of the growth of connected because the da- the world is becoming increasingly connected and data sets are becoming increasingly connected we see more and more of those use cases every year right so for example when i first got started with this supply chain was not a use case right because if you took a random company that was shipping stuff they would have a two three levels deep supply chain right which means you, you can't if you want to digitalize that you can put it in your relational database and then there you have it right Today, if you're any you know company that is manufacturing, that is shipping physical goods, producing physical goods, you tap into this worldwide global mesh spanning continent to continent that is not two, three, it's 20, 30 levels deep, right? And all of a sudden, the Suez Canal gets blocked for a week, right? By, by you know, a ship, right? And then you need to figure out how does that cascade across my universe, right? How does that affect me and my and my customers? 
Yeah. And all of a sudden, that's 20, 30 level fee, and you have to use a graph database, right? That's a clear example of a use case that did that existed before, but you could use a relational database. Today, you have to use a graph database. So popping back up, when people have looked at the graph space, they extrapolated based on several more of these, let's call them performance-based use cases. And that alone is increasing in in depth and breadth, right? So much so that you can see this becoming a significant part of the new database landscape. But that's only one of the three drivers of graph databases. When it comes to intuitiveness and flexibility and that developer productivity, there's all kinds of really amazing benefits to using a graph database when you have a thousand nodes, when you have a thousand records as it as it were, right? Just because it's more flexible. This comes back to your beer graph, right? Which is, which it was never a billion, like sadly, we don't have a billion beers in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's not like, But, but still, it's so valuable to look at that data in the in the graphy view. It's very valuable, almost as valuable as consuming, as drinking. The, <laughs> and, and, and and I think that is that's a huge part that people underestimate when they when they try to look at the at the graph space. So, popping popping back up, then I think that the, the funding round um, it, it, it really signaled to the world that the previous decade was set up. The 2020s is our decade to shine. Very interesting. You, you know, uh, when people ask you about, you know, actually, I think you 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 had a slide on it in, in the keynote. You know, what are you going to do with the money? <laughs> what was it? You no know, skyscraper. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Buy a yacht uh, or whatever. <laughs> and and uh, a sponsor like the Formula One, you know, or something oh, well, like that. that. Was the one. <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly, you know, uh, it should be a cycling team, obviously. But oh, obviously, uh, um, your next slide was product, product, product. Right? Product, product, product. Uh, that is where I want to invest the, as much as we just can uh, with, with this money. At the end of the day, you 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 know this, right? We're a product company. We're a product first company. We're a technology company. And that is where the rubber meets the road. Yes, we need amazing salespeople like yourself. Yes, we need marketing to get the word out. Yes, we we even need some overhead sitting in saunas, sauna looking, you know, rooms, <laughs> pontificating, you know. But at the end of the day, the product is what matters, right? That is, you know, and we we want to have by far just the best product in the space and and and, and beyond, right? In the, in the graph data space and, and 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 broader. So that is priority number one and two and three. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a lot to do. And you know, there was a great example with the trillion node graph, uh, trillion relationship graph. Uh, um, in, in, in the keynote, right? People should uh, definitely go back and look at it. So um, maybe segueing a little bit on, on, on that topic, on, on the product, you know, it's actually fascinating, I find, you know, it ties it back to the pandemic that, you know, 4.3 release that we have out right now, it was like, it's the first release, I think, that was fully developed remotely. Right, uh, that, that people you know, we didn't have meeting rooms or you know stand-up sessions or whatever it was uh, uh, you know for for our processes whatever. Um, that, that's interesting, right? It's uh, it, it, have, have we seen anything you know beyond 
you know, like the obvious uh, features, you know, quality-wise or anything else that that, that, that was impacted there? It, it, it's a good question. Here's kind of some of the challenges with, with engineering, but I guess this is even, even more broadly is that you don't have the A-B test, right? And so you don't know. And in, in a fast-paced, high-growth environment, we just talked about how we were 300 people like when the pandemic started and by the end of this year we're going to be probably over 600 people like growing so fast it's very hard to measure output today like in the in the pandemic fully distributed kind of that versus the release because there's 50 to 70 percent more engineers working on on this release right and then the lines of code Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and so, so it's, it's very hard to do, do the A-B. My subjective assessment is, it's, it's back to what I, what I said before, I feel like engineering hasn't, is, hasn't slowed a beat, hasn't missed a beat. Yeah. Um, and and the, the concern I would have would be more along the long-term effects, right? Which, which I haven't seen. Like, I, th- I think we, and I think we even mentioned it in the podcast, we started seeing some of that maybe summer end of last summer i felt like where it's like i could feel tensions were higher in the company right and this is also around the time where globally but even more i think even more in in the us just the external world was on fire right and it was literally on fire in california with the california wildfires it was also black lives matter and that entire thing right And there was just, and then you walk into the election cycle in the U.S. So it just, it, it was just a kind of a crazy, crazy time, right? And 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 I could feel it internally in the company too, where I felt like emotions ran high and tensions were there's more tensions than than before. I feel like that has really mellowed out since mm-hmm. since then. But my concern would be would be come back to, it doesn't feel sustainable, or at least, you know. Maybe we need to rewire and re- reprogram completely, but but somehow adjust more for those real human relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to answer your question specifically for this release, I feel like it came together really really well. Yeah, the, the one the area you know where I where I feel like um, we we there, there's there's some some attention that we need to spend on this is all on you know the customer side you know where. You know, you get feedback from customers. They, yeah. they give you like directions yeah. on what to put in future releases, yeah. or you know those types of things. You know, like the yeah, things that you typically will hear about during a face-to-face exactly. meeting. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. Where? Where? How do we get that type of thing? Uh, I, 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 I think that's spot on, and it's probably some like some. I think one of the things we're kind of missing, kind of in, internally, organizationally, is kind of. I mean, I guess it's the classic. You know, stereotypical water cooler talk, right? Like when you bump into someone and you don't transact a business problem with them, you know, but it's like, how was your weekend? How are the kids? You know, what did you like that movie? You told me you were going to go watch a movie. Like, did you like that? You know, all that's kind of the social fabric, right? You know, th- th- that stuff, right? And there's some equivalent with customers and, and product feedback, I feel like, right? Where it's like, we're, we're going to get the high order bit. If something is broken, if something is crashing, like they're going to let us know, right? If we build something that's useless for them, they're not going to use it. If we so so the high order bit we're going to get, but some of those kind of smaller, like I'm not going to bring it up in a 30 minute Zoom call. I'm not, but that are 
It might be really annoying or it might be amazing and so valuable. Like some of those smaller things, like we, we're losing the fidelity of that conversation, I think, in, in, in some of the uh, customer conversations. There was one more um, product related question that I really wanted to ask you uh, uh, that came up on the on the <laughs> on the keynote. Um, the, the trillion relationship graph. What was the AWS bit like? <laughs> so it's funny. I I haven't dared to 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 look at the final result. Yeah, um, no. but the the initial like when they first spun it up, it was for. And so maybe popping back up before yeah. we get to the AWS bill. So we, we talked before about kind of misconceptions about, I said there's maybe two broad misconceptions about Neo4j and the graph space, niche. right? Yeah. And graphs and niche is, is one, and we talked about the funding announcement and how I think that doesn't like fix it or anything, like, but, it, but it's been it's been kind of a stark like um, signal to, to people, you know, that, that that's not the case, right? And then the other one is graphs don't scale or new for data doesn't scale, right? And that's been the kind of this other thing that that I've heard so so many times. And and it, it's interesting, right? Because it's partially true that it is very hard to scale graphs because the, the standard way that you scale things in, in in databases is you chop it up into pieces, right? And you put those pieces, you know, on a lot of servers, right? It's, it's called sharding, right? And then. Initially, we did that, you know, as an industry, we did that manually, right, with MySQL, for example, right? You you took parts of the data set and you put it over here. You, and you can imagine if you have tabular data, right, you can either split it up, can it's called vertical chart, like by, by tables, or you can take the tables and you can split them up. And then it's kind of by, maybe by geography, or you have all the orders for North America over there and Europe over there, you know, stuff like that, right? And initially you did that manually and then there's like a generation of, of databases that came out that did this automatically it's called it used to be called auto sharding you know back then now we just we just simplified that called it called just call it sharding right um and of course the very nature of graph data is that it's deeply connected and related right oh, and so it. you can't just easily chop it up and yeah. spread it out across a bunch of servers right if you do that you're gonna get the checkbox of, of sharding it's the spray and pray approach. You just spread it out across many servers and that works, spreading it out works. But then when you query it, you then have to hop around, maybe if you're lucky, one server, more likely two, three, five, ten, twenty, 10, 20, whatever, like a lot yeah. of them, right? Um, so your queries don't work basically, right? The spray and pray approach. And, and there've been a lot of people who've kind of done that to get the checkbox, but even in the graph space, have done that to get the checkbox so that they can claim that they Shard and technically they're right, but in terms of solving real problems for real customers, they're not right because it doesn't work. Um, and and what we did is that we built this internally. It's called the Neo4j Fabric architecture, um, and it's 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 what's called graph native sharding. So it's a way of way of sharding the graph that actually takes into consideration the shape of the data, right? And you have to do some work. It's not magical. It's not a unicorn. Solve all your problems with it. You have to do some real work. Like you have to do some data modeling, right? Much in the way that when you have a domain model, you need to figure out, should this be a relationship or should this be a property? Many times, you know, you, you've seen this, you're hands on, right? Like I could model this as a property. I could model it as a relationship. Like, so you have to do some thinking like that. But what you get is this 
absolutely exceptional performance and scalability characteristics. So, so what I showed there in the demo was, uh, it was a social graph demo bigger than Facebook, three billion nodes, which is three billion people, which is more than Facebook has has today. And then initially, ten trillion, you know, ten ten billion relationships running across ten servers, right? And ran some really hard, weird, graphy connected real world queries on that and it yeah. ran in less than 20 milliseconds and then of course we 10 next it again to three billion people but but a hundred billion relationships running across a hundred servers so this is one graph database a hundred shards right running in an amazon data center executing the same queries still less than 20 milliseconds and then of course the big punchline was 10xing it again yeah. so a thousand shards, a thousand servers, right? A trillion relationships, right? Running those same queries, still less than 20 milliseconds. And then the, even the punchline on the punchline was that then we ran this graph global query that had to touch all the thousand shards to compute the result. And that one came back in less than hundred milliseconds, right? It was just like spectacular. And, and kind of the behind the scenes there is that as we spun this up, um, the 1000, this is a real scale. We actually ran out of machines in the Amazon availability. So <laughs> it's like, we first showed up, it didn't work. They told us like, oh, no, it didn't work. What, what, what? No, Amazon ran out of machines. <laughs> so, and the initial, just to get back to your question, the, the initial estimate there, uh, the, the initial one cost $4,000 per hour. So that's, you know, obviously almost a hundred thousand dollars per day, right? which is kind of, that, that tells you just, just what scale it ran at. Then they were able to optimize it, so it became, became cheaper in, in, in the end. But, but still, it was, a, it was a massive demo and, you know, a quite spectacular uh, scalability results. Yeah. In the sales team, we get the question about scale so often, right? And it's, uh, and, you know, I, the only truthful answer, in my opinion, has always been, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> well, exactly. What, what do you mean with scale? You know, what does that mean for you? But, but it's so powerful, I think, to be able to say, well, you know, we ran out of machines, um, so you know, it must scale a little bit. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of kind of kind of cool. I know, I know that we're we're kind of running out of time here, Emil. But um, so many things to talk about. Um, we should probably do it again sometime. We yeah. should do this again. I, th I think our, our goal, we should do this like every six months, but the real goal should be to do this with a Chimay and, or a Duval or a Golden Drock, you know, in the, you know, coffee is fantastic too, yeah. but it really should be a high quality Belgian beer in hand. But that might not be the next six months, but may maybe the next one after that, maybe the summer 2022 podcast. You You've know, got a day. You've got a day. Face to face with uh, two Belgian beers in our in our hands. Thank you again. It was super nice talking to awesome, you. Awesome, my friend. Uh, we uh, we will do it again. Um, uh, have a wonderful summer. Thank you. Thanks everyone for paying attention. Thank you. Bye. Bye.